Welcome to the ProCom Podcast, hosted by Paul Vogels, with expert guest interviews, case study reviews, and insightful discussion topics. The ProCom Podcast leads the Project Controls conversation. Hi guys, and welcome back to a new episode of the ProCom Podcast. Um, This is episode number 15, and today we have a special about a use case, and I have two very special guests. Patrick van der Meulen um, and Sebastian Gocht. I'm going to introduce them uh, uh, further on. Uh, but first of all, I am going to say something about the environment where we are recording in. So uh, COVID is hitting us very, uh, very severe. Uh, so we like to be as careful as possible. So we brought the studio to uh, to my home office and uh, Sebastian and Patrick are uh, at the office, um, uh, but we don't want to jeopardize their, uh, their business. So we are not coming to them and they are not coming to us. So we, uh, we are taking the responsibility to uh, um, to be careful on this uh, studio brought home. Eh? It's a mobile studio, so we can bring it to everybody uh, who wants. Uh, but today we're going to record a, a use case special about uh, Thales. Two very special guests. Thank you, guys. I have Patrick van der Meulen, head PMO at Thales, um, uh, engineer, um, degree in economics and now responsible for the PMO in uh, in Thales Group. Uh, but first, I'm going to start with your neighbor, uh, Patrick, uh, Sebastian Gort, uh, operations project manager. Eh? That's something very special I uh, I want to hear more about because we always say the operation or the line managers don't interfere with the projects. Eh? It's a matrix organization. So I really want to uh, learn about that. Um, uh, Sebastian has a degree in industrial engineering, is working for 15 years at Thales, if, uh, if your LinkedIn is uh, right, and in eight roles. So, Sebastian, do you want to uh, introduce yourself a little bit and a little bit about the Thales Group? And please tell me why uh, um, Thales is such a nice uh, company to work for uh, the last 15 years. Uh, thank you, Paul. Yeah, uh, first of all, I think Thales is a very uh, big company. It's a global company uh, doing a lot of very interesting things. Uh, uh, developing and, and delivering complex system which has to do with security, whether this is in uh, uh, in aerospace, aircraft, satellites, uh, cybersecurity, defense, uh, various areas. And that's what, for me, makes it very interesting. Um, I've done various roles in this company because a big company uh, uh, brings the, the, the opportunity to uh, fulfill several roles. I've been project manager for customer projects in the naval domain, so delivering radar systems uh, and integrating these in, in naval ships and uh, installing uh, all the equipment in uh, command centers. Um, but also uh, working a lot of improvement projects, uh, also in the civil domain working uh, in, in uh, transportation area where we really have uh, also uh, availability contracts where we really host our equipment for, uh, uh, for our customers. Um, also, I've been working a long time in the supply chain uh, as industrial supply chain manager. So I've seen a lot of the company and my role today as operations project manager, I'm part of the operations management team. And this role is especially created because there are always big changes that needs to be uh, uh, completed within the company. And that's also done uh, by, of course, project management and a lot of change management. Yeah. So it's more an internal role where you where you're helping the project uh, uh, team. Correct. Yeah. And and does it make a lot? Of, uh, so I was writing uh, and uh, I did some research. Uh, you have a very strong uh, defense military uh, branch uh, and a, a, a very strong civil branch. 
Does it make a lot of difference in your opinion to work for one branch or another? Is it is it more rigid? Is it more uh, uh, licensing? What's the main difference between those two? Because uh, w when I listen and talk to my subscribers and, and, and viewers, um, the military part is always very, very um, interesting. And I don't say that the civil part is not interesting, but they always say, oh, we, are, we don't hear a lot about the military and we, we all are aware that we can't disclose all the details. But in general, is a military contract different than a civil contract, in your uh, opinion, and a project management approach? I think, in principle, the project management approach does not uh, differ very much. Um, I do notice that specifically when we develop uh, special solutions for our customers, these are very complex uh, uh, projects. So you need to be really sharp on your risk management, scope management, uh, stakeholder management, uh, and really do this in a very professional way. Uh, the areas where it does differ is you have to do with a lot of additional security demands. So you cannot always use uh, applications which are hosted in the cloud. That's often not allowed. So <laughs> there are differences, of course. Uh, um, uh, uh, there are a lot of government restrictions in this area. And what makes it uh, 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 sometimes a little bit additional complex than uh, uh, normal commercial projects. I think mainly yeah. because of the, the security policies, it has the biggest impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the security uh, also about uh, the, uh, we want to lower the chance of people knowing what is in the system. Uh, so, so I think it's about confidentiality, it's about robustness, it's about uh, availability. Uh, uh, of course, I, I have a problem when my car is not starting uh, when I need to go to an appointment, but when a military application doesn't work at the moment it should it's even more eh? so i think it's it's on both sides it's on the uh, availability but also on the well on the on the confidentiality and that's what you mean patrick on this part maybe maybe small bridge to you uh, uh, patrick uh, head of pmo eh? so sebastian is helping your organization to do better projects to do leaner projects to to be well, more precise um can you tell me a little bit about your background and your role within the company? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting us for this podcast. Uh, well, my name is Patrick van der Meulen. I'm the, the head of the Naval PMO uh, within Thales Netherlands, uh, mainly focusing on the naval business. Uh, I joined Thales about three years ago, um, and it was my goal, or it is my goal, to to uh, to establish um, a future-proof professional uh, project management office. Um, a transversal uh, project management office, which um, uh, serves uh, all our customer projects, but also our product projects, because we're also a product-driven organization. Uh, and before Thales, I had uh, multiple roles in operations management and people management roles uh, within the IT sector. So uh, uh, mainly IT and high tech. Yeah, okay. And um if you're talking about the PMO and, and hey, the, 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 the tag of the ProCon podcast is leading the project controls conversation, we want to be in discussion and we want to raise the awareness. And um, if you have a PMO, a industry or a branch specific PMO eh, for the naval business, I can understand that. Is that a real staff function for all the naval projects? So can we conclude that the awareness on project maturity on project controls is is very high or or high in uh, in Thales? 
Uh, yeah, within Thales, uh, for sure. Uh, within the PMO, we're building on it. Uh, the PMO was established about five years ago, so before I joined Thales. Um, yep. and, um, and then they were looking for somebody who uh, was implementing it, professionalizing it, uh, bringing it up uh, to a higher level. Uh, so the, the team has grown uh, a lot the last years, uh, not only organic growth uh, because of the contracts we secured, but also uh, introducing new roles and responsibilities. Uh, and uh, actually, I'm, I'm in the middle of the path of uh, uh, becoming the, the centre de excellence, as we call it. Yep. Okay, well, that's that's good. And if you look back in the last three years, huh, um, in the programme podcast, huh, we have those three different uh, uh, sectors. People, processes, tools. Huh? So we talk about educational parts. We talk about use cases huh, where we actually are talking to the to the people in the in the project management uh, world uh, yes of course uh, there's a big tooling part uh, because well a tool is a facilitator i think for for maturity if you look back to the last three years uh, where you're growing to be the, uh, the the best of the best in the pmo uh, uh, world where do you where did you encounter uh, challenges or where do you see the biggest improvements you have made for the last uh, three years in uh, in Thales? Yeah, well, actually, the, uh, it's on the, on, on, on the, the three uh, axes that you mentioned. Um, uh, we try to align as much as possible with the Talos Group, because the Talos Group is uh, globally known. Uh, yeah. So with our tooling, uh, also with our processing, uh, the processes we, we use also for project management practices, etc. cetera. Um, so uh, we try to align as much as possible. Uh, and, and maybe the, the, the biggest uh, components for, for the change are the people. Uh, uh, as in all projects or in all uh, changes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so also hiring new people, but also uh, uh, developing uh, uh, the existing uh, crew. Yeah, and uh, Thales is a worldwide operating uh, uh, company, I think with a very strong European uh, uh, headquarters. Do you see differences in the Netherlands? And I think if you're talking about uh, continent Europe, I think your main quarters is in uh, in France uh, uh, and the rest of the world. Uh, I, I assume you also have businesses in in Asia Pacific or or EMEA or or the the Americas. Do you talk to the head of PMO, for example, in 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 the US? And do you do you inter uh, or exchange uh, best practices, for example? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, um, uh, there are um, multiple um, um, meetings organized or uh, initiatives where we come together, uh, mainly digital the last years. Yeah, um, unfortunately. But yeah, unfortunately. Um, but what we see, actually, we, we struggle uh, with, with the same challenges. Uh, so, for instance, I had a lot of contact with uh, Thales Australia uh, on resource management. Uh, yeah. uh, but also with Thales UK and also with the Thales Group, Thales Germany and... Um, what we see, we are exchanging uh, ideas more and more, uh, and this is very helpful. Um, and what we also see is that um, um, in, in our uh, uh, the battle for talent uh, is in all countries the same. Yeah, and is that because of demand is getting uh, fewer and fewer, or is it because the the um, challenges we need to encounter are bigger? Or where do you see this battle for talent? Where where is your main challenge on this? Yeah, within Thales uh, Netherlands, uh, we are in an in a, in extreme growth scenario uh, because of the contracts of the last year. So it's, it's a sort of double for us. Uh, yes, we are growing and we are ex- growing extremely hard. Uh, um, so um, it's not mainly about the number of people we want to hire, but um, 
the last years we were mainly focusing on the competences and skills. Yeah. And do you make the difference between hard skills and I, I think we can't say soft skills anymore, but it's, it's I think, human skills is the new term, uh, uh, according to, uh, to Ginek, uh, Simon Simek. Um, hard skills is something you can teach. Soft skills, human skills is something you need to hire. Is that the same in, in Thales where you see this? Yeah, yeah. Well, for, for, for me, uh, the most important, what I always say is uh, will versus skill. Uh, if, if you have the, the, the good background uh, and you have the will to learn or to develop yourself, uh, you're yeah. already on our 60 or 70%. Yeah. And skills you can okay. learn are the, the hard skills, yes, of course. Yeah, that's uh, that's something uh, which is uh, which is trainable. Uh, Sebastian, if you hey, you are I think a facilitator for the project management organizations within uh, within Talis. Um, where did you see the biggest demand from well from your internal customers? Uh, what's uh, where do you, where do you need to progress or need to develop uh, in the in the last couple of years on uh, on this uh, set? Um, well, when I look at the, the improvement project I'm now running, um, uh, the Talos Group has a big uh, uh, scheme for improvements called the uh, Ambition Boost Program. And within the yeah. framework, uh, uh, improvements are, uh, are uh, executed, sometimes on group level, uh, but also within uh, local entities, of course, adapted to the needs there. And uh, we're working now on uh, improving our what we call transactional backbone. So let's say our tooling. Uh, Primavera, uh, ERP, uh, uh, with respect to managing scope, time, and cost. And also there we use uh, the three uh, uh, key elements, uh, tooling, but also uh, processes. Uh, really be clear on how we agree to work together, because a lot of people need to work together to, at the end, deliver uh, our products and systems to our customers. And last but not least, uh, people. And people need to be involved. You need to use uh, their uh, capabilities, their ideas to improve this. Uh, and at the end, you need all uh, to work as one team together. So that also involves training uh, and not only telling how you should it do, but really involve people in that from different departments that they have the discussion during this training together how we can further improve how we uh, meet the deadlines for our uh, customers. And that yeah. part is something that uh, is costing a lot of time while people are busy, but you have to do this. And at the end, when you've done that and, and people come out of a training, they all say, actually, the time was too short. Yeah. So that's the challenge to get the people together to really make the next step. And uh, often the tooling is not the biggest issue, but knowing together how, we, how to use it and uh, uh, let it support our work and uh, the results we want to achieve. Well, well, that's very interesting. Eh? If you look at from a from a European perspective, and I think uh, the Dutch are the best in this, and we even have a word for it. It's called polderen. Eh? I use it a lot in the uh, in the uh, Procom podcast. Do you see the difference where you actually are asking for opinions or discussions in a training where eh, we've we've done many many trainings abroad eh, in in China, but also in uh, in the US, where where somebody is saying, well, this is how we work, and if you don't work, there is the door. And 
polderen doesn't exist in English even. So is that something you see from a, well, let's call it a cultural or a geographical difference? Is that something you're encountering as well? As yeah, well? and this is a very important topic, uh, not only within Thales Group, but also in our customer projects. Uh, most of our customer projects involve uh, many uh, people from various uh, uh, countries, various cultures. And an important theme is uh, diversity and inclusion. Very good to have very diverse teams, uh, but you have to meet together to really understand each other and uh, get the best out of it. And uh, not to be annoyed by uh, others in the team thinking a different way or having a different background, but really look at the benefits. Uh, and together, uh, that will bring out the best result if you use everybody's capabilities and everybody's way of looking at things. Then you come to the yeah. solutions. Uh, but you have to spend time together to get to know each other and get the inclusion to to get the best result out of that. And that's within the Thales group, but also in our projects with with customers, whether this is government or, or shipyards or, or other parties. Um, this is the key, I think, for uh, success. Yeah. And on the other hand, we've discussed this earlier, eh? Confidential, confidentiality, very important, high demanding governments, uh, customers, etc. Um, you want to keep the process as simple as possible. Uh, you want to keep the team as, well, not small as possible, but as as uh, um, uniform and isolated as possible. Is that not sometimes contradictionary with uh, when a government says, well, these are the specs, can you build me a, let's say, a submarine, can you build me a submarine? This is the specs and, and don't try to, to give away all, uh, all the secrets. Is that not contradictionary where you bring in people from different countries, cultures, backgrounds, etc., have a discussion on how we do it and then build it together? Is that not a very, um, yeah, is that not a risk? Uh, or how do you mitigate that risk? In this case? Um, well, you mitigate it by managing it. Uh, first of all, uh, you're very clear on with who you may uh, exchange what information. Uh, the yep. other hand, uh, we use a lot of commercial equipment also in, in, in uh, defense solutions, but uh, certain parts are really specifically developed. And that knowledge you uh, you secure very much. Um, so you have a, a very clear governance on what can be shared with who can it be shared. There need to be export licenses when it, it crosses a border. That needs to be in place. We have uh, uh, special roles looking into that. Um, and of course, non-disclosure agreements with all parties that are there. That needs to be in place in order to... Uh, facilitate uh, the rest of the communication. When that's clear and you know who can talk about what together, um, then the cooperation can start. So it's it's a sort of uh, prerequisite to really get, uh, also in a, 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 a this environment, get the cooperation uh, uh, working. Yeah, and I think it's uh, it is um, the, the the flexibility. It has some impact on the flexibility, of course, um, but it's necessary. So actually, there's no discussion about it. No, but what I see, for example, eh, and, and we are running a couple of military projects ourselves, when you're talking about non-disclosure agreements, it's very simple. Eh? You sit down at the desk, maybe with even a, a, a legal uh, a school uh, um, counselor. You say, okay, eh, we cannot disclose this, we cannot disclose that. That's very simple. Eh? It's not hectic. When we go, and I think the English have a very nice saying, eh? the proof of the pudding is by eating it. When a scheduling engineer or risk analysis goes to a shipyard, looks at a 
be an ID or a schedule, whatever. And I have seen people running around with different colored stamps. A blue stamp is confidential, a red stamp is even more, etc., etc. Um, it in the heat of the moment, it's very hard to to look back and to say, okay, what's in the non-disclosure? So also the training, not on a let's call it a product process or a, or a, or a development process, but also on the administrative confidentiality process is very important to teach yeah? what's the difference between a blue stamp and a red stamp and a green stamp for example how do you send a a schedule eh? uh, i probably assume that you have red rooms where there is a rocked laptop without internet connection usb drives etc um, how do you monitor eh, the plan check do act cycle how do you do that on a day-to-day and I assume a building a submarine or something is kind of a hectic uh, project. How do you make sure that that all the agreements are in place and it's it's lived up to? Eh? Is that a weekly or a monthly reminder moment, or how do you deal with that? And I think the most important thing is it should be in the the minds of everybody. Uh, so it's something which is a strong part of all the training of all the people, uh, which is very regular, repeated. Um, so you know what you are allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. Every document needs to have a classification. So you know what you can do with it, what you cannot do with it. Um, um, uh, information is uh, shared regularly and training has been done, interactive training, e-learnings on which uh, uh, tools can you use uh, to exchange what data and what classification and what not. So this is something that that is uh, uh, constantly coming back in the training of everybody, and uh, these are not uh, uh, voluntarily. Uh, these you have to follow. Very simple, and of yeah. course, there's a lot of uh, uh, IT solutions around that as well. But I think it starts uh, with awareness and people knowing what they are allowed to do and not allowed to do. Yeah, one of one of like a second nature. Yeah, yeah, and one of the things that it's mandatory during onboarding also for all the new colleagues, all the new colleagues uh, uh, will be screened um, with uh, IP awareness, security awareness training in the onboarding programs, uh, but also during the year for uh, the more experienced employees. Uh, But what Sebastian just mentioned, uh, the most important is uh, uh, the people in this because you can secure the systems and uh, and the access, etc. But the people do it. Yeah. If you leave the paper on the train and it's confidential, eh, you, you can have as many many systems in place, but the paper is a paper and a, and, and a person is a person at the end. Does that make your commercial projects then less agile? Because there's a very, st- I can believe eh, that it's very good to have on a, on a very high classified project and eh, let's say military. I can understand in a commercial uh, eh, that, that, that there's also, eh, if you, I think the board of Apple will be better secured than uh, uh, than the board of, uh, uh, um, let's say, Albert Heijn or, or the local bakery. Um, but doesn't it make the rest of the civil contracts very um, heavy on processes? Um, I cannot speak for all uh, civil uh, projects the Talos Group does, but uh, uh, often these are run in, in other uh in other entities than the the military uh, uh, projects. So they have often a different environment, IT environment, uh, so they can work as agile as every commercial company. Yeah, so you don't mix those processes, those people in the end. No, you you do exchange things uh, where where it's beneficial for the both, of course. Um, 
Uh, but uh, in principle, they, they often work in a different entity and uh, have a, often different IT means and uh, rules, regulations. Yeah, they also, I think they, they, they use different tools on this because uh, uh, what Sebastian mentioned in the beginning is um, uh, we're not allowed, for instance, to use uh, cloud-based tooling at this moment. Uh, at least not for all uh, not for all of our data, data. Uh, but other entities uh, are allowed because of less security measures yeah okay so so if you yeah you can always almost say well it's two departments it's two companies that they are run and, but of course there's there's a lot of learning to do over the company uh, uh, entities um is that also something encouraged by Thales or by, uh, I, I, I think there will be a head of all PMOs or, or people looking at continuous improvement progress where they say, okay, this works very good in a commercial way. Why don't we change it that it's and confidential and as agile as, uh, as possible? Um, yeah, sometimes yeah, you see where the contradiction is. Yeah? You want to be as secure as possible, but well, don't don't miss out the new trends or the new methodologies, uh, for example. No, I think... Uh, is that something every, which is encouraged by uh, by Thales? Yeah, for every discipline, there are uh, uh, structures to, to share the best practices and to improve uh, over the disciplinary action, whether it's uh, for HR, whether it's for project management, whether it's for supply chain management. On every axis uh, within Thales, they try to exchange uh, the best practices. And also uh, to do it in a way, and that's also uh, what Patrick said, if we work in a sort of common way uh, where that's possible, we can also better co uh, cooperate within the Thales group. Because in many cases, uh, the, the systems we deliver do not only have uh, product and equipment from our own entity, but also from other entities. And the better we cooperate and the better and smoothly we can integrate these things, um, the better we uh, uh, we perform for our customers. Yeah, Patrick, you said uh, you are the best of the best PMO in the in the uh, you want to be, or you are the best of the best PMO in um, in the project management world. You cooperate with many other suppliers, contractors, etc. Nowadays, I think it's also a a um, like a certification that a good project management discipline is there. Eh? It's it's almost like a like a like a, a diploma you can put on the wall or on the on the door where you say, well, Thales is not the best in products, but also the best in project management. Can you give me uh, and not very specific, but can you give me an example where you need to cooperate with non not so much mature other organizations where where your customers saying, okay, Thales. This is your lead project, eh? and and the way you're working is helping our project. And at the end, you you finished in well time, budget, and scope. Is that something you can uh, you can share with us? Yeah, well, um, I think uh, also the, the 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 PMOs or the the counterparts within within our customers uh, uh, are actually in the in the same uh, same stage of development because PMOs uh, started to exist uh, about ten years ago, I think. Uh, Yep. And everybody is professionalizing, so we see uh, we, we see a lot of uh, common initiatives. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, to be honest, um, I think the counterparts are, are struggling with with the same challenges. Uh, and uh, what we really want to do is to to increase our roles and competency levels, uh, but also develop the the, the, the training courses uh, to help our internal organization. Uh, what we see is that the, 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 in, in the project, the project manager, uh, the external project manager mainly has to contact uh, with the customer 
because we also want to try to keep it as um, pragmatic as possible uh, for the customers as well. Yeah. And maybe good to add as well that that, that group wide there is uh, uh, already for quite some years um, there is a need to also uh, have project managers certified. So we use the yeah, yeah. certification as well for both work package managers, project managers. Um, and this is something not uh, you know uh, to explain how project management work, but you really have to show that you you have the capabilities. Uh, to manage projects and you have to to go through reassessments every four years and uh, we really um, uh, look at uh, how well are um, uh, how complex our projects and what what level of uh, certified and capable project managers are required to make this a success yeah yeah and, with, and within the PMO uh, we actually last week had a, a four-day training uh, um, uh, to align with the Talos group, with the, with the model and the methodology uh, that the Talos group uh, uh, describes, uh, and it was a really, a really helpful training uh, to, to 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 get everybody on the on the same uh, on the same line uh, in way of thinking. So, Patrick, you're saying you're focusing a lot on the people and the processes. Hey? You're trying to align them with the uh, with the different uh, organizations or with the different Thales uh, departments. And Sebastian, you're saying, and I think it's it's maybe an add-on even. And there's a screening, there's a confidential screening. There's a, there's a, 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 a if you work in Holland and and, and we've seen uh, there's AIVD. Uh, there's some uh, uh, um, statements about uh, are you. Uh, didn't you do uh, time in jail or didn't you steal uh, rob a bank, etc.? That kind of, uh, maybe a little, a little uh, uh, less severe, but there's a screening on uh, who are you hiring. Then there's a screening on um, what uh, what capabilities do you have and you have uh, chosen for IPMA or PMI because it, it's a PMI standard at the, uh, at the end. You're training the processes internally. So... The, the runtime for somebody to come in and to be really productive is must, must be very very severe. Right? It's not that you hire so, hey, you don't hire a carpenter on Monday and Tuesday he's uh, he's making a new wall. Uh, there's a, there's a very strong onboarding process uh, in place as well uh, for uh, for this. Yeah, for sure. And uh, um, um, I'm, I'm really speaking on behalf of uh, the project management department, of course. Uh, when somebody comes in, you, you don't give them the biggest project right away. Um, yeah. You really need to uh, to schedule out uh, a path. And we do that with all new employees. A uh, path is made with his line manager and how are you going to grow into the job. And it can be that you're an assistant first of an experienced project manager and get to know the specifics of this business and then uh, gradually move to uh, running your own project. Uh, different routes uh, can be followed there. Also, we see routes where uh, you start off as assistant and, for instance, also do contract management. So you really get to know the contractual uh, part of this with all the specifics uh, in this uh, in this area. Uh, so different routes are defined uh, with everybody we hire, how to, to come up to speed uh, and uh, really uh, get to know the business and uh, be successful in it. Yeah, yeah, and like like onboarding and motivation uh, is is really important. It is also a separate initiative uh, at this moment, uh, but also within the cluster of projects, uh, we have a, a centralized onboarding program for new colleagues, and it's not like everybody should follow exactly the same program because it's also a person. Uh, it depends on the person. Uh, but there are a few steps everybody should take and uh, this, the standard process uh, of program uh, is about six weeks um, f from start date 
but then uh, what we also see, and I've uh, experienced it myself, uh, I'm still learning every day. So uh, um, I think the onboarding process continues for, for, for about six to eight months at least. Yeah. And if you, uh, we, we talked about uh, the, the battle for talent. Um, are those people that uh, you need to get them from well different companies from from uh, uh, people who uh, who want a new challenge it, it's not helping that you say okay yeah you can as a project manager you can come in and then you need an onboarding process from well six months six weeks to six months uh, i i imagine that that uh, my hands would be aching to say okay yeah, i know what cool projects you have give me a project please and and uh, let me go let me go do my job as a project manager and of course uh, i want to learn on the job with with compliance etc is that do people get well annoyed in between brackets about this this very strong onboarding process or do you see people encouraging it that that they want to be the best in their job as well um, well, I think uh, mainly the second, because uh, what we see is that um, uh, for me, it's, it's the most important to, to manage the expectation also in, in the recruitment process. So uh, don't promise that everybody uh, from week one gets the biggest project. Uh, just manage expectations. We're uh, uh, a matrix company, sometimes, sometimes complex, uh, uh, with a lot of processes, a lot of security. So managing expectations in the beginning. Um, and telling, him the st- telling them the steps we should take to, to become uh, a, a mature uh, PMO um, uh, is already 60 or 70% of, of doing the right things uh, and, and um, uh, to take care of people not becoming uh, annoyed or uh, uh, wanting too much at the beginning. And, and what I also see is after uh, a few weeks, uh, the internal organization is known uh, and then after... Mainly, uh, most times after a month of four four months, there is a sort of dip, uh, a short dip. Like, okay, I thought I knew a lot, and now uh, all the extra things come to me. But but then it's an uh, it, the the line is going up. And I think at the end there's a big reward. Uh, looking at my own experience, uh, starting as yes, also assistant project manager once, and uh, and contract manager moving to project manager. Uh, at the end, we we develop here world class systems. And uh, if you enjoy that, having the mix between how do you manage in a complex environment uh, with a lot of technology that's being developed, and and being successful in that, it's it's really a, a company where you uh, uh, well have a lot of fun and a lot of uh, motivation uh, to work on these kind of things. And we, of course, we look in the teams. I know my first project I did, um, um, we were with two people in the team, not most experienced, but we uh, made sure that within the team, for instance, the system engineer were very, very uh, experienced. So that you have in the different roles, a few very experienced people and maybe some uh, people who are less experienced uh, to compensate for this and uh, together make it uh, a success. And uh, for me, that was uh, very rewarding also to learn from very experienced colleagues, although they might not be a project manager, but have other roles mm-hmm. that yeah. learn a lot from each other and uh, have a lot of fun together uh, in achieving uh, your goals. Yeah, well, I think that's the gold you have in, in your hands. Eh? You, you're making the, the coolest projects in the world eh? for the coolest customers in the in the world. Eh? You're a big organization, eh? so you have the, the availability to mix and match an experienced manager with a, with a youngster and, and even have your 
uh, like your your, your um, uh, how do you call it uh, the, the school to be uh, the project manager in in Thales in a couple of years well Sebastian I think you are the, the living proof that you can work for 15 years in a, in a company and, and still enjoying it uh, in, in different roles um, but that that well depends on the person eh? if you if you are too ambitious and you want to start the next week on the biggest project well i don't think then that you can work in these kind of environments um going a little bit back to the complexity of your projects um governmental contracts civil contracts eh, with with very high tech you are mixing the most difficult parts to manage eh? it's high tech probably a lot of percentage are new uh, uh, engineering uh, stuff. Uh, it's not that you're not that, not that you're assembling uh, 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 go karts or something like that. Uh, you need to engineer and make use of best practices. Um, your customers, well, are not the local bakery, but the government of well, whatever or or a big organization. Do you feel and maybe maybe Patrick? Yeah, you have seen other companies. Does that increasingly make it more complex? To a point, or is is there a point where you say, "Well, this is too complex. We need to we need to cut it in small projects because it's getting too big." Is there is there a a ceiling of complexity you can handle as an organization? Um, I think there always is, um, and the trick is, and that's uh, the challenge, and what makes it also very interesting. Um, when something is really complex, also when a project is very complex, you have to structure it and to chop it in uh, how do you eat an elephant uh, yeah bite by bite um, so yeah. you have to really structure it and uh, you really have to think ahead how are we going to structure such a big uh, big project uh, in a complex organization because we do from really a technology development uh, system development until uh, through life support our systems will sail on ships for 25 years um, yeah, yeah. So for a long period, so you have to provide services over a long period and you really have to, to chop that up in, in, in chunks that you can manage with teams. And But this is a part of the, the, the great challenge we, uh, we all have in this company. It, you're not talking about one uh, uh, single technology. It's several technologies coming in complex uh, uh, systems which you have to validate that they really work. And you work in an environment with... Uh, customer organizations who are not one person who, who we're dealing with, but also complex organizations. So uh, the challenge is in complex technology, complex market, complex customers, uh, and simplify it as much as possible to, to make it manageable. And that's, I think, the essence of uh, what you do in a uh, multi-product and project organization. Yeah, not always predictable. Eh? So you don't know where your projects will end up in what kind of uh, uh, situations and what kind of environments. Eh? If you if you need to change a tire in the middle of a desert, it, it's maybe a little bit different than you need to change the tire in, uh, in Amsterdam uh, in the middle of the city. So how do you deal with the unpredictability over such a long time? Um. Well, of course, our markets are not always predictable. And uh, uh, even uh, at the beginning of some complex projects, especially with developments, you can also always encounter uh, issues. So you have to do your risk management uh, very well. And still things can change. So you have to be agile to adapt uh, to that. Uh, and I think also that that goes down to uh, specifically our colleagues who often work uh, 
for instance, on shipyards or on board of, of, of ships to uh, to either install uh, test uh, equipment or uh, to to, uh, to do repairs. They have to be very agile. Uh, these are people who uh, have a lot of experience, who know how to deal with it, who can improvise uh, when it has to. But at the end, may uh, uh, although they have to improvise, make sure that we have quality on board and uh, a customer has his uh, systems available. And that's yeah. Everybody in this role needs to be agile for this. And also to to, to develop uh, our services organization, of course. Uh, uh, but you can also see it in uh, a role for technical technical assistance that we have. What Sebastian mentioned aboard, um, um, but also contracts like uh, um, the uptime for some. Uh, we do it. We do it for some customers. Uh, we guarantee also the uptime of the systems. Yep. If you look at it, I think, uh, Sebastian, you said the, the markets are not predictable. Huh? I think if you look back to three or five years ago and where we are now on, I think, civil uh, defense, uh, aerospace, etc., we can what we can do now, we didn't expect five years ago. I think the... The, the, the battle goes more to digital, the, the, the space is becoming bigger where commercial flights are, are going to the, to the moon and, and etc. Et um, is this is there a, do you have like a, like a prediction on, on the next five years from Thales Broadway say okay, we are invis- investing, for example, in this agility as an organization, just to be sure if markets go left or right or or exponentially higher, eh? because I think well your cyber um, market uh, has grow has 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 grew beyond expectations the last couple of years maybe. Yeah, and, and I think that's also good as a group to be in, in some different areas because uh, uh, some areas have some difficulties in some periods and others grow. So uh, yep. the Talos group is uh, capable of then at least putting their, 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 let's say, the brains of the company, the people, uh, uh, move them a little bit between the different businesses to, uh, uh, to counter uh, that effect. Um, and be agile in adapting to what happens in the market. And on the other hand, uh, there are, of course, strategies looking far ahead. What is changing in the world and what will be the needs of the customers in uh, looking at 10 years ahead? What will be the, uh, the, the changes in the world, the scenarios, our customers uh, globally? Uh, and what kind of solution do we think they would need in the coming 10 years? And what technology, basic technology, do you already need to develop to to be ready in the spirit of 10 years. So you have to work on yep. both sides. Be agile today, but focus also your strategy on at least the coming 10 years. Yeah, and uh, if you're talking about changes, um, I think uh, nobody expected that we are going to do this podcast uh, uh, virtually. Um, I think we have, a, we have a big change the last, uh, what is it, 21, 22 months uh, in, in the world. Um, it's the it's it's at the end it's the proof of a company if you are agile enough to deal with with such kind of crises. Um, if you look at Thales, hey, are you because well hey, we 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 are using specific technology to talk to each other right now. Hey? It's maybe not the even the standards we are using in different communications. Um, did hey, and I think from an internal project organization that has been a big impact as well to talk to each other uh, maybe more on the phone and on on all kinds of web conferencing tools 
did that is that a big impact in Thales specific yeah? because it's an impact for everybody but is it a bigger impact for Thales for example than for other um, other industries yeah, well what what we see uh, uh, when 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 covid started um, we normally had about uh, four or five hundred employees working from home already so we were, we yeah. were getting used to it but when covid started in one weekend uh, the whole IT department uh, did, did a lot. Uh, and from Monday, we can work from home uh, with 17 or 1,800 people. Uh, okay. and in the beginning, it was uh, we, get, we had to get used to it because uh, uh, to have digital meetings, et cetera, et cetera. But at the moment, um, it's going quite good. And actually, uh, a positive thing about it is that the perimeter uh, for, for finding new colleagues uh, has grown. Um, because uh, also uh, uh, normally Hengelo is, is uh, for some uh, for, for the, the western part of the Netherlands is uh, a long uh, a long way to drive. But uh, yeah. when working from home three days a week, uh, there's more, there are a lot of more possibilities. Uh, so yeah. it, it it helped me uh, in finding the new talents as well. And another benefit is because we, we have several sites in the Netherlands also in Huizen and uh, Eindhoven, Delft. Yeah. So there are various sites, but also globally, of course. And, and what we noticed, that there was a lot of traveling before COVID. Um, and of course, that helps cooperation. But uh, because we're now all uh, working digital and having video conferences with everybody around the world, uh, it gives actually a sort of level playing field. Because in the past, it was difficult if a number of people meet but somebody from another country far in the world had to call in. Yeah. Uh, it's not an, uh, an equal uh, playing field. So actually, I think it sort of helped also in the cooperation to have a level playing field and uh, being much more easy, not wait for next travel to talk to somebody uh, or a number of people around the world, but it's becoming much more easier and people are getting used and uh, people are the biggest factor here in using these means and uh, communicate more efficiently with each other. Yeah, yeah, and maybe the, the best example is what I gave earlier was uh, the, the the communication with, for instance, uh, with Thales Australia. Um, I have to you have to, to to be prepared for the time zones, but uh, yeah. it's a really short line now to to uh, have a have a short conversation with your counterpart in Australia. Yeah, yeah, I think Australia is the hardest to work with uh, time zone wise, huh? because I think it's uh, depending on on which. Which area you are? It's it's between twelve and fourteen hours time different. Eh? So somebody is is to get out of bed or does it go to bed uh, yet? But but it's easier. Um, is this something after COVID disappears or, or gets cured or, or whatever? Is this something which will stay? You uh, you expect in the company? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, I think uh, uh, within Thales Netherlands we will keep uh, the, the remote working. Uh, 50, 50, uh, 60, 40%. Uh, but what we see also with sharing the best practices within the Talos group uh, is once a month uh, normally uh, with different entities. And sometimes it's really early in the morning, sometimes it's late in the evening because uh, Brazil uh, and Australia also have to have to dial in. Uh, but this is actually uh, something that really helps us. Uh, so everybody wants to keep it this way. Okay. Well, good to hear. Um, I, I told you earlier in the introduction, eh, there is a point where we need to say, well, we could have talked about this topic for hours, but eh, let, let's start to wrap up a little bit in the in the next uh, couple of minutes. Um, Patrick, you said you, your goal 
or was, and then you 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 um, improved yourself. My goal is to be the best of the best PMO in uh, in uh, um, in the world. Maybe yeah. Let's uh, let's uh, keep the keep the score high. Um, what would be a a achievement if we do a podcast in two years you say okay this is what i would have liked to achieve in 2021 and now i have achieved it to be even better than we are already right now because i i know Thales a little bit from the inside as well um I think you have a very strong project controls awareness, a very strong project maturity awareness uh, with, with good PMOs and with good internal improvement processes. Is there something on your wish list or on your goal list for the next couple of years, uh, Patrick, to, uh, to improve or to be better at? Yeah, well, actually, if I uh, um, maybe the, 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 the biggest goal is to, to all the projects and programs, all the contracts that we secured over the last years, uh, if we manage to do this, uh, as, as lot as possible in time within scope and within budget, uh, then we we do the good job. Yeah, well, that's a good achievement, but that's that's depending on your internal organization, but also uh, uh, the, uh, you make you raise the bar very much because all your stakeholders needs to be aware of uh, how you control it. Uh, but that's I think a good challenge. Well, um, uh, let's let's try to schedule the podcast in two years and then uh, take counts of which uh, which one are uh, are in in place. Um, Sebastian, same question to you. In uh, um, operations project managers, I uh, if you if you have eight roles in fifteen years. There's a next role maybe in uh, in two years, but what will be your your end goal as the operations manager internal projects at uh, at Thales for you? Well, at least to uh, to, to complete the the challenges we uh, now set for ourselves and uh, really have a more efficient organization and uh, an even better uh, focus on uh, for what costs and in which time schedule can we complete the, the scope and the product systems we are uh, supplying for our customers. Because um, at the end, uh, uh, that needs to help uh, all my colleagues here um, and make their life easier, their working life, and at the end result in uh, customers getting their systems. And that's the biggest, uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, um, well, let's say, uh, how do you say it? Um, challenge or achievement. Challenge or achievement and uh, best yeah. motivation uh, to keep on uh, doing this work. Also, if your customer is happy, uh, uh, you feel happy as well. Yeah, and if you deliver all the projects in time, eh, me as a, as a as a customer, I will have the benefits of all the nice projects eh, because I think everybody is working with Thales products and, and services all the time. Eh? If, if I sit in an airplane, I might be watching a in-screen or a communication uh, a product from Thales. Eh? Um, a lot of governments and, and, and militaries, defenses organizations are working with your products. So and not maybe not everybody knows Thales as as good as Apple, for example, well, because everybody everybody knows Apple. But I think more people are making use of a Thales product or service at the end than uh, than we might be uh, be aware of, um, guys. 
Thank you very much for uh, contributing. Uh, a little word back to my listeners and viewers. Um, if you are still interested in uh, in learning from these really cool use cases and other topics we uh, we have, we really invite you to uh, to subscribe to the ProConPodcast.com webpage where you can uh, see all the new uh, bi-weekly uh, uh, broadcasts. Um, of course, everybody can listen it online on this website, but also Apple, Spotify, Google, and, and whatever podcast uh, uh, app you are uh, using. Um, today we had a use case special with uh, with Thales. Um, uh, thank you very much, my two uh, special guests, Patrick van der Meulen, head PMO uh, Thales, and Sebastian Gort, uh, operations project manager Thales as well. Uh, guys, thank you very much, and um, thank you for the contribution. Thank you, Joel. Yes. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Procom podcast. To listen and watch more episodes, you can subscribe and access the resources mentioned in this episode by visiting proconpodcast.com. We look forward to seeing you on our next episode, where we will continue to lead the project controls conversation. The Procon Podcast and the associated resources is published under copyright to Prima Ned. All rights reserved, no reproduction of this content is permitted.